Hello and welcome to the turbulent world of Middle East soccer or Mideast Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, James Dorsey. This month's indictment of a billionaire one-time advisor and close associate of former US President Donald Trump on charges of operating as an unregistered foreign agent in the United States for the United Arab Emirates highlights the successes and pitfalls of a high-stakes Emirati effort to influence US policy. The indictment of businessman Thomas Barak, who maintained close ties to UAE Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed while serving as an influential advisor in 2016 to then-presidential candidate Trump and chair of Mr. Trump's inauguration committee once he won the 2016 election, puts at risk the UAE's relationship with the Biden administration. It also threatens to reduce the UAE's return on a massive lobbying and public relations investment that helped make it a darling in Washington during the last four years. A 2019 study concluded that Emirati clients hired 20 U.S. lobbying firms to do their bidding at a cost of $20 million, including $600,000 in election campaign contributions, one of the largest, if not the largest, expenditure by a single state on Washington lobbying and influence peddling. The indictment further raises the question of why the Biden administration was willing to allow legal proceedings to put at risk its relationship with one of America's closest allies in the United States, one that last year opened the door to recognition of Israel by Arab and Muslim-majority states. The UAE lobbying effort sought to position the Emirates and, at its behest, Saudi Arabia under the leadership of Crown Prince Mohammed's counterpart, Mohammed bin Salman, at the heart of U.S. policy, ensure that Emirati and Saudi interests were protected, and shield the two autocrats from criticism of various of their policies and abuse of human rights. Interestingly, UAE lobbying in the United States, in contrast to France and Austria, failed to persuade the Trump administration to embrace one of the Emirates' core policy objectives, a U.S. crackdown on political Islam with a focus on the Muslim Brotherhood. UAE Crown Prince Mohammed views political Islam and the Brotherhood that embraces the principle of elections as an existential threat to the survival of his regime. In one instance, cited in the indictment, Mr. Barak's two co-defendants, a UAE national resident in the United States, Rashid al-Malik, and Matthew Grimes, a Barak employee, discussed days after Mr. Trump's inauguration the possibility of persuading the new administration to designate the Muslim Brotherhood as a foreign terrorist organization. This will be a huge win if we can list them, and they, can, and they deserve to be, Mr. Al-Malik tested Mr. Grimes on 23 January 2017. The unsuccessful push for designating the Brotherhood came three months after Mr. Barak identified the two Prince Mohammeds in an op-ed in Fortune magazine as members of a new generation of brilliant young leaders. The billionaire argued that American foreign policy must persuade these bold visionaries to lean west rather than east. By supporting their anti-terrorism platforms abroad, America enhances its anti-terrorism policies at home. Mr. Barak further sought to persuade America's new policymakers, in line with Emirati thinking, 
that the threat posed by political Islam emanated not only from Iran's clerical regime and its asymmetric defense and security policies, but also from the Brotherhood and Turkey's Islamist government. He echoed Emirati promotion of Saudi Arabia after the rise of his Saudi protege, Mohammed bin Salman, as the most effective bulwark against political Islam. It is impossible for the U.S. to move against any hostile Islamic group anywhere in the world without Saudi support. The confused notion that Saudi Arabia is synonymous with radical Islam is falsely based on the Western notion that one size fits all, Mr. Barak asserted. The Trump administration's refusal to exempt the Brotherhood from its embrace of Emirati policy was likely the result of differences within both the U.S. government and the Muslim world. Analysts suggest that some in the administration feared that designating the Brotherhood would empower the more rapidly Islamophobic elements in Mr. Trump's support base. Administration officials also recognized that the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and Egypt constituted a minority, albeit a powerful minority in the Muslim world, that was on the warpath against the Brotherhood. Elsewhere, Brotherhood affiliates were part of the political structure by either participating in government or constituting part of the legal opposition in countries like Kuwait, Iraq, Yemen, Bahrain, Morocco, Jordan, and Indonesia. The affiliates have at times supported U.S. policies or worked closely with U.S. allies like in the case of Yemen's al-Islah, that is aligned with Saudi-backed forces. In contrast to UAE efforts to ensure that the Brotherhood is crushed at the risk of fueling Islamophobia, Nagatul Ulama, one of, if not the world's largest Muslim organization, which chairs the Emirates' rejection of political Islam and the Brotherhood, has opted to fight the organization's local Indonesian affiliate politically within a democratic framework, rather than by resorting to coercive tactics. Nagatul Ulama prides itself on having significantly diminished the prospects of Indonesia's Brotherhood affiliate, the Prosperous Justice Party, PKS, since the 2009 presidential election. The group at the time successfully drove a wedge between then-President Susilo Yudhoyono and the PKS, his coalition partner since the 2004 election that brought him to power. In doing so, it persuaded Mr. Yudhoyono to reject a PKS candidate as vice president in the second term of his presidency. Nanatul Ulama's maneuvering included the publication of a book asserting that the PKS had not shed its links to militancy. The party has since failed to win even half of its peak 38 seats in parliament garnered in the 2004 election. Publication of the illusion of an Islamic state, the expansion of transnationalist Islamist movements to Indonesia had a considerable impact on domestic policy. It primarily contributed to neutralizing one candidate's bid for vice president in the 2009 national election campaign, who had ties to the Muslim Brotherhood, said militancy expert Magnus Rangstorp. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. A written version of this podcast is on my blog, The Turbulent World of Middle East Soccer at Mideast Soccer, blogspot.com. Please join me for my next podcast in the coming days. Best wishes and take care.